Are you a devotee of horror flicks? The more blood and gore and shock, the better. Okay, what is the deal with that? Why do we want to scare the living daylights out of ourselves? And when did the movies get involved? I'm Patty Steele. Why we crave horror, next on The Backstory. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with the backstory. What made early Hollywood movie makers decide they could earn a few bucks from our bloodlust? Well, you know the thrill of spine-tingling terror? Sure you do. But what is it? Psychologists say it's that crazy rush of adrenaline, endorphins, and dopamine, which kind of energizes us and inspires the fight-or-flight response. Except when you get it from watching a movie, you also know you're safe. And that's the thrill without the threat. They say the reaction to horror flicks is called excitation transfer. Okay, thank you, psychologists. Your heart pounds, and you breathe really heavy. And as that wears off you feel intense relief, filling your brain with feel-good chemicals. About 10% of us really crave that adrenaline rush, and they tend to be more aggressive individuals. But folks who avoid those movies have trouble differentiating between the thrill and just plain fear. They say it's because some of us have a harder time separating what's on screen from reality. And they tend to be more empathetic types who don't want to see others in pain, even if inside we know it's fake. But how did early movie makers know to cash in on all this? Okay, let's go back to the dawn of motion pictures. Imagine you've never seen people or animals even moving, let alone doing anything else, on a screen. It was mind-blowing for them. The first moving picture that survives was part photography, part animation, of a horse galloping for just a few seconds. That was in 1880. Thomas Edison's first short flick in 1894 was called The Sneeze, literally just five seconds of an Edison employee sneezing. Can you imagine everybody wanted to see it? Wouldn't even have time for one piece of popcorn. (laughs) But by the 1890s, there were a slew of films. Most were just movement with no story attached because people were pretty thrilled with that in the beginning. But finally, folks were getting bored. Come on, they said, tell us a story. 
Along comes Georges Milius. He was a French illusionist who had a lifelong fascination with scary, suspenseful literature from as far back as ancient Greece and Rome, but also more recent stories from everybody like Edgar Allan Poe, Jules Verne, and H.G. Wells, as well as Mary Shelley, who of course wrote Frankenstein. His 1896 film, The House of the Devil, is considered the first horror film ever made, with images coming from centuries of books and legends. It showed demons, ghosts, witches, and a skeleton at a haunted castle. And it was only three minutes long, but included some of the first special effects ever, with people disappearing and a bat suddenly turning into a person. Imagine what that looked like to someone at a time when almost no one even had electricity in their homes. They were still lighting their homes with gas lamps, and along comes this. People loved and sort of hated it. It made them nervous, sort of like looking at a car wreck. More scary short films flooded the market. And by the way, the word hard didn't get used much, maybe too disturbing of a word, right? So most of these flicks were referred to as mysterious, magical, mythical, or even as trick films. Whatever they were called, people couldn't get enough. Milias had tapped into something timeless, our need to feel that rush of adrenaline without the fear of death. Over the years, the horror movies evolved into a really gripping storytelling medium, and the envelope kept getting pushed further toward the edge. Thomas Edison's movie company made Frankenstein into a 16-minute film in 1910 that has some really chilling scenes, and it disturbed people. By the 1920s and 30s, horror really took off. There was Dracula, The Mummy, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and yet another iteration of Frankenstein. And remember, after 1927 or so, they added talk, which meant screaming too. But it was never enough. To keep the adrenaline rush going, things had to get more shocking. And that set off the morals police. They tried to get these films intensely censored. In a lot of cases, depending on where they were running, the movies were either banned outright or locally edited. It wasn't until the 1950s that the science fiction element of horror kicked into high gear, with movies like the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers and War of the Worlds, as well as Godzilla. And the 1960s finally introduced everything from zombie flicks to really edge-of-your-seat horror in Hitchcock movies like Psycho, as well as films like Rosemary's Baby and The Haunting. Now, director Martin Scorsese calls The Haunting the scariest movie of all time. It's all suspense. No blood. It's all about what you don't see, and it is total goosebumps. By the 70s and onward, slasher flicks like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween, all the Halloweens, even Carrie, moved horror into a more in-your-face mode. But like them or not, horror movies feed that craving for an adrenaline rush, and Halloween season is the perfect time to indulge. (laughs) 
I'm Patty Steele. The Backstory is a production of iHeartMedia and Steel Trap Productions. Our producer is Doug Fraser. Our executive producer is Steve Goldstein of Amplify Media. We're out with new episodes twice a week. Thanks for listening to The Backstory, the pieces of history you didn't know you needed to know. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.